Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Okay, hello automotive world. This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I've got an interesting one here today, another case study, which actually isn't even 100% finished yet. Um, I've been working on this for the last couple weeks. This is a vehicle that is at a shop that I go to a lot for programming diagnostics. They do a lot of transmissions and uh, just a lot of work that gets me in there on a regular basis. This vehicle has been sitting there. Well, I don't know if it's been sitting at the shop, but it's been sitting over a year and it's been at this shop for quite a while. And it was a situation where they said, look at it on your own time, meaning it's not a rush. Get this other work done first. You spend what time you have on it. Just figure it out when you can. It's just sort of an in-between thing and it's a mess. I'll tell you that right up front. This thing is uh, kind of a disaster and I was you know, waist deep in it before I really even knew what I was getting into. But I, I said, sure, I'll, I'll take a look at it and see what's going on. So I'll give you the background on this. This is a 2014 Infiniti Q70, which is a rear wheel drive. They have an all wheel drive option, but this is just the rear wheel drive with a 3.7 liter V6. Um, this vehicle, again, has been sitting for over a year. It's been at the shop that I go to for a month or so, and it is a no start, no crank. And that's what they want me to figure out is let's get this thing started. Okay, so I asked for any other background that they have on it, and I could see some uh, some white marker that had been written on the windshield, so... I'm thinking, okay, where did this thing come from? What's what's going on with it? And they said, it's a customer of theirs that purchased it from an auction. And if you've ever dealt with auction vehicles, you never know what you're going to get. You never know what's been done to these things, where they came from. And you don't have a whole lot of history to go with. But they bought it from an auction. Uh, this thing actually only has 23,000 miles on it in 2014. Uh, you know, got it for a relatively low cost because they purchased it through the auction, but it doesn't start. So uh, they, the customer brought it to this shop to figure out, okay, why doesn't this Infinity start? Why doesn't this run? And they did some, uh, some poking around with it, but quickly figured out that uh, they weren't quite sure where to go with this. They said it, the, the owner of the shop said, I think it's a key issue or a module issue. Okay, that's pretty vague, but all right, I'll, I'll check this thing out and see. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been spending a little bit of time on it here and there while I'm there, you know, I'll program a control module and then I'll jump on this thing for what time I have available to try to figure out, okay, what's going on. So I open up this vehicle sitting out in the lot. The battery's dead, you know, been sitting for a year, obviously. Uh, I open it up, and this thing's this thing's a mess. This thing's in pieces. There's uh, panels off 
all over under the interior. The driver's seat is unbolted. There's connectors disconnected everywhere. There's modules laying on the floor, and I'm like, "Oh boy, <laughs> this is this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be fun uh, to see what's going on." Uh, I looked under the hood, so I hooked up a jump pack. The cam sensor's missing. I did ask them about that. They said they robbed it to put in another vehicle because this thing had been sitting and they were going to replace it. Okay, whatever. Um, That's not going to cause no crank, so I'm not extremely worried about that at the moment, but I'll take a note of that. The coolant pressure cap's missing. I don't see any coolant in it. Uh, All right, (laughs) this is going to be a fun one here. Um, And I just wanted to see if I could find out any more information on this. So when a vehicle goes through an auction, a lot of the times you can find it if you just Google the VIN. You can find the auction that it was a part of, and maybe you can find out a little bit more details of what happened to it. Uh, Maybe not, but I figured I'd give it a shot before I dive in. And I Googled the VIN for this vehicle, and it actually came up, and I saw, you know, it shows a picture of the vehicle sitting in the, the auction lot, and this was actually a vehicle from Texas, and it had been in a flood. Um, so if you've ever dealt with a flood vehicle, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is, this is not going to be fun because if this thing's full of water, I mean, we've got multiple modules that could be toast in this. And I don't know how long it was underwater, how deep it was underwater, but uh, okay. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not in a rush to figure this one out. So uh, let's, let's give it a shot. I, I always enjoy a challenge so why not see what's going on with this thing and maybe we'll get to a point where it just doesn't make sense to go forward with it but yeah we'll see what it's uh where it's at right now so uh first thing let's try to start this thing so i have my jump pack hooked up hop in the vehicle and this is a push button start vehicle so i have the key which is uh, Nissan's Intelligent Access Key. And we'll explain the details on that in a little bit here, but it's just a remote that you hold in your pocket. You put it in the center console, wherever you want. You don't actually insert it into a lock cylinder. You're just, it is a remote that you hold within the interior of the vehicle. You press the start button on the dash and the vehicle should come on. You know, the ignition should switch on. And then if you're holding on the brake pedal, the vehicle should start. If you're holding that push button start on the dashboard, that's how that system's designed to work. Very similar to any push button start that you've uh, worked on before. So, uh, well, first thing is first, let's verify the customer concern. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to verify it. I press this button. Now, here's the thing. It actually did turn on with the jump pack on. My dash lit up. You could see the indicator on the push button start switch from nothing, which is lock position, to accessory to on and when it switched to on the dashboard came on you know you could hear the vehicle turned on Um, but when i was pressing on the brake pedal and pressing that button the vehicle would not crank so easy enough to verify that's what's going on uh that's you know what i expected from what they told me but at least it does turn on and that's a good sign so first things first (laughs) let's scan this thing for codes and i'm expecting quite a few uh, just because of you know what I'm looking at right now. And so I plug in my scan tool, and I just wanted to do a quick check with the Autel. And I go through, and I just do an all-system scan, an auto-scan, so it goes through all the modules that it can talk to and pulls codes. So 
I have uh, several modules that have codes. I am able to talk to a number of modules. I don't know what's supposed to be present on this vehicle just yet, but I am able to talk to a number of modules, and there are a number of codes. Again, I, I'm not too surprised about this, but let's get in there and let's see if anything stands out right away. Um, if there's any codes in there that are really like, oh, okay, this is what we have going on. So in a number of the modules, I have a U1000. Um, there's some other codes as well in various modules. Nothing that really stands out. We'll get back to some of the details on them, but I'm just looking for things right away that stand out to me like this is going to cause a no star, you know, like security, key issues, circuit issues, something, something like that. But the one that I do see, again, that could very well be causing this is the U1000 in several modules, uh, which is indicating a CAN bus failure, a communication issue between modules. Now, again, I'm able to talk to a number of modules on this vehicle, but are there, are there modules that are offline that I'm not seeing that I can't communicate with? So you have to ask yourself, and this is becoming more and more common on vehicles as we get you know, more complex with the vehicles, more options with the vehicles, and just more modules in general, one of the things you really got to ask yourself is, what modules are present on this vehicle and which, which one of those can I talk to? But you need to make sure that module is actually equipped on that vehicle if you're going to try to attempt to talk to it. And in a luxury vehicle like this, this Q70, it's 2014, uh, there's a potential for a lot of modules on this vehicle. Um, I looked up in the service information what is uh, an option on this vehicle as far as uh, you know, what was installed from the factory, and there's up to 26 possible modules on this CAN network. And there's actually a CAN gateway in certain options that kind of splits it into two different networks, but even still, 26 possible modules. So this is where uh, reading your service information is really important. How to identify what I should be able to talk to, because that's going to save me a lot of time if I don't go, you know, tracking down modules that aren't even equipped on the vehicle. And again, we're seeing this more and more on vehicles. It's not just like back in the day when there was an ABS uh, airbag and a PCM and that was it. We've got so many modules on these vehicles and so many different options, even in a, on a single vehicle, depending on what it came equipped with from the factory. So again, using your service information, there is, and, and I, I will give credit to Nissan Infinity Service information here, there is a very good chart that tells you exactly what modules are equipped in the vehicle based on what it has. The two main categories that splits up what modules you're going to find are two-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. Okay, that's easy enough to figure out. I can look underneath the vehicle and see, <laughs> is it a two-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive? This is just a rear-wheel drive vehicle. It does not have any power flow to the front wheels. Okay, so that immediately chops off a lot of modules for me. Uh, you know, I don't need to talk to the all-wheel drive module because it's not there. The next uh, option is the engine size. So there is a 3.7 or 5.6 liter option. I have the 3.7, so that breaks down a lot more modules for me. Not a ton, but it knocks a few off the list. And this is, again, this is a chart that I'm looking at in Nissan Infinity service information. You can find this in Identifix or All Data as well, but it is a chart from Nissan Infinity. That's that's where they they get this information from. 
So my next thing to look at is whether it has an ADAS system or not. And so the ADAS system uses radar, um, it uses a laser cruise control setup, and in the service information, it actually shows you a picture of the dash and says, if it's got this button, I believe it said AFS, if it has this button, then it has this ADAS system and you need to look for these control modules along with a CAN gateway. And it did not. There's no button on the dash, so that eliminates all those modules from the ones that I need to talk to. All right, cool. So now we're really getting down there. Um, the last thing was a telematics module, um, which this one did have. So now by looking at my chart, I know exactly how many modules that I need to identify on this vehicle. You know, what do I need to talk to? And then I can identify which ones are going to be important in starting the vehicle and maybe identify why I have these uh, communication codes. Now I'm down to actually 13 modules on this vehicle. So I've halved it as far as what I need to look for. Cool. Awesome. Now I know exactly what I should be able to talk to. And again, what is important in starting the engine? Because that's my main goal is figure out why this thing is not cranking. So um, the important players here, as far as previous knowledge that I have, because I haven't dove too far into the service information just yet, but the big players here to start this vehicle, as far as I know, are the body control module, the ECM, and the IPDM, which is Intelligent Power Distribution Module. It's basically the fuse box under the hood, but it's also a control module. Those are the big players in just cranking and starting the engine. So I want to make sure that I can talk to them, and I actually can talk to all those modules. Um, I can also talk to the ABS. I can talk to the uh, instrument cluster. I can talk to the airbag. Uh, the ones that I can't talk to are the driver's seat control module, which I actually looked and it was unplugged. Like I said, the driver's seat was unbolted and that, that module is unplugged. Okay, all right, that's fine. I'm not going to mess around with that right now. I didn't even plug it in because you should be able to start the vehicle even if the driver's seat control module is unplugged. I'm not super concerned about that. The other one that I couldn't talk to was the AV control unit, which is basically the infotainment center in the dash. It's got a big screen, does your radio, um, HVAC controls, all that stuff. Couldn't talk to that, and the screen was blank. Okay, again, I'm not super concerned at this point um, because you shouldn't need that to start the vehicle, at least from what I'm aware of, you know, just from working on Nissans in the past and Infinities in the past. And I also can't talk to my telematics control unit, which is for connecting to a phone call so that you can talk to somebody on the phone while you're driving the vehicle. That's what this module is in control of. And I can't talk to that. But again, not really that important to starting the vehicle. So I have three modules that I can't talk to, which may be the cause of my communication codes. But one thing I do want to verify is that one of these modules is not actually disrupting the network in a way that it is disrupting communication between other modules. Even though these modules aren't important in starting the vehicle, as far as I know, they could be sending out bad signals or shorting out the network. So uh, first things first, I power down the vehicle. I actually disconnected my jump pack because I know that there'll be no power. And you want to do this if you're going to ohm check CAN network. Make sure there's no power on it. Otherwise, your ohm check is basically useless. So I ohm check the network. I get 60 ohms. That's what I expect to see. So I know at least 
physically, the network is intact. There's terminating resistors located in the ECM, engine control modules, and the IPDM, that's your intelligent power distribution module. Two 120 ohm resistors in parallel is 60 ohms total. Again, now I know at least it's not shorted together, it's not open. I have a physically connected network, cool. So I power it back up and I take out my U-scope and I have the key on and I'm looking at the network signals and I have what appears to be a very clean CAN network signal on both uh, high and low, 6 and 14 in the DLC. I appear to have a great CAN signal on both of them. So does not look like these modules that I can't talk to are interfering with the network. So I'm going to kind of put those on hold. They're not the main concern. Again, this thing was in a flood, so I'm not surprised I got some modules that aren't functioning correctly. But again, not critical in starting the vehicle. So where do I go next with this? My next step is I want to make sure that I understand how this intelligent key access system works, the push button start in this vehicle. And I've dealt with a few of these before, and a lot of them are similar even across different brands, but I want to make sure that I have a good understanding of how this one works. So let's go through this a little bit, and this will cover push-button starts in a lot of vehicles. Uh, they're very similar across many different manufacturers, but this is Nissan's and how Nissan works, or Nissan Infinity. Uh, I'll probably say Nissan a lot. I just I lump them together because it's pretty much the same thing. So in this push button start, again, how you how this works is you are supposed to get in the vehicle, have the key, which is just a key fob. There's no metal blade. Well, there there is a metal blade that you can take out, but it's just for physically unlocking the lock cylinder on the door in case the battery's dead. Um, but you don't need to take that key, that blade key out to start the vehicle. You just need the remote in the vehicle. You press on the brake pedal. You press the start button on the dash and the vehicle should crank over and start if everything's working properly. Obviously, it's not in this case. So how does this work? I read up on the information just to make sure that I am aware of how this actually operates. And there are a series of antennas throughout the vehicle that are going to communicate with this key. So there are actually three antennas on the outside of the vehicle, one in each door handle and one in the rear bumper. Now, the purpose of these antennas are to communicate with the key when you are on the outside of the vehicle and you want to unlock it. And so what these antennas will do is when you press the little button on the thumb portion of the door handle, it will send that this antenna, which is actually in the door handle, sends out a low frequency signal around 125 kilohertz out to the key itself. And what that is, is that is a challenge from the antenna to say, hey, key, who are you? <laughs> or do you belong to this vehicle? And so then the key fob will activate after receiving this challenge, and it will send a higher frequency around 300 megahertz back to it's actually probably higher. I think it's around 400 megahertz. It doesn't matter that much, but it's a different frequency. Sends it back to the RKE receiver, remote keyless entry receiver inside the vehicle to say, yep, this is, this is the key that belongs to the vehicle. And that is tied into the BCM. BCM says, okay, and unlocks the door so, or opens the trunk based on where you are on the outside of the vehicle. So those are our three antennas on the outside of the vehicle. Send out a challenge to the key when you press a button. This is like hands-free. You got one hand, you press the button, sends a signal out to the key. Key sends a signal back to the antenna. 
goes to the BCM, BCM unlocks doors or open the trunk. Okay, so those are obviously not to start the vehicle, but that is to unlock the door. Now, you can also just hit the unlock or lock button on the remote. Um, either way, will unlock the doors. That, that's to get into the vehicle. And the reason I'm telling you this is it kind of works on the same principle as once you are in the vehicle, there are going to be three more antennas located within the inside of the vehicle. There is one towards the front of the center console. There is one towards the rear of the center console, and there's one towards the rear of the vehicle. Now, these antennas within the inside of the vehicle are to determine, is the key actually in the vehicle? And is it in your pocket? Is it in your purse? Is it sitting in the center console? These antennas are placed within different places within the vehicle so that it can detect the presence of the key. So when these antennas are triggered, and again, all these antennas are powered up by the body control module. He's the guy that's really in charge of all of this. But when these antennas are activated is when you go to push the push button start, your ignition switch. Once you push that button, as soon as you push that, the BCM triggers these antennas to send a signal out to the key, a challenge. And this is our low frequency, 125 kilohertz. Same, same frequency as the outside antennas, but now we're looking for, we're challenging to see is that key in the vehicle and does it belong to this vehicle? And so if that key belongs to the vehicle, it receives this challenge from the antennas, it sends a signal, again, a radio frequency, uh, you know, more than 300 megahertz back to the RKE receiver, the antenna, which sends a signal to the BCM, says, yep, that's the key for this vehicle. And then the BCM is going to go through with its process to start the vehicle. And we're going to go into what happens there in a little bit. But that's the basics of a remote start system. So you've got a key, you've got low frequency antennas, you've got a body control module, you've got your push button ignition, and you have a RF receiver uh, within the vehicle. And those all have to be functioning for the vehicle to start. But in this system, you need all of that to function just to turn the vehicle on. If the key is not present, if the key is maybe wrong, it won't even turn the ignition on in these. It will come up with a message on the dash that says no key. When you press that button, if the antennas send out a signal and they don't get anything back from the key, then it's just going to say no key present on the dash. Or it might say wrong key if you have the incorrect key. But here's the deal my ignition actually turns on. It actually powers up the dash and everything comes alive. Like I have the correct key and it doesn't give me any warnings about the key being incorrect. So what do I know at this point? What am I confident about? Because this thing powers up, I know that it has to recognize the key as belonging to that vehicle. I know that the at least one of the low frequency antennas inside the vehicle is working to send a challenge out to that key. I know the RF receiver must work. And also I can hit the key fob buttons and unlock and unlock the doors. So I, I know that receiver works. I know that signal is getting to the BCM because the BCM is going to be the next step in powering up the vehicle and starting it. So as far as the key system right now, I think everything's working correctly. Uh, I, now, I'm not 100% on this. There could still be other issues because there are other control modules involved. But up to this point, I'm not terribly worried about my intelligent access 
system malfunctioning in some way. And I don't have any codes that are pointing me in that direction either. All right, so where do I go from here? Well, I need to know what are the next steps in starting the vehicle. Once the BCM knows that that key is present, what, where does it go from there? What else is involved? So again, go into service information, read the description and operation, and although it's not laid out the greatest, all the information is there in Nissan Infinity service information. And again, credit to them, it's, it's all laid out there. You just have to dig for it and read it, and I had to read it a couple times, but it's pretty straightforward on how this works. Looking at a wiring diagram really kind of brought it home for me, but here's the next steps after it recognizes this key, Here's what happens in order to actually turn the engine over and start it. So the BCM, okay, cool, we got the right key. It is also going to be looking at transmission range over the CAN network. So it's going to talk to the transmission control module, say, what gear is this vehicle in? Is it park or neutral? Otherwise, we're not cranking this thing. And again, that's CAN network, so communication could be an issue here. But that's one thing the BCM needs to look for in order to crank the engine. Now, who's actually in charge of turning the engine over? That's an important part to understand. This is where the IPDM, or Intelligent Power Distribution Module, again, this is the fuse block that's under the hood next to the battery, but it's also a control module. He is actually in charge of sending power to the starter solenoid to get the engine to turn over. This is where the power actually comes from. But, that needs a signal from the BCM to say, hey, go ahead and do this. Go ahead and start this. So our BCM's looking at TCM, and it actually says it looks at the ABS module as well. I'm not 100% sure what it's looking for in the ABS module for starting, but it's listed that it communicates with the ABS. And then it sends a signal to the ECM to say, yep, it's okay to start this thing. So we're getting a signal to the ECM but the ECM is not in charge of cranking. The ECM is just in charge of once this thing is cranking, okay, let's pulse injectors, let's run coils, everything like that. But it's sending a signal to the IPDM to crank the engine, and then the IPDM is in charge of actually cranking the engine. So I look at the wiring diagram, and my IPDM, which again is under the hood, is in direct control of the starter, and it does so via a couple different relays, which based on the diagram look like they're integrated into the control module. They're not relays that you can pop out of this thing. They're built into the module on the board level. But there's a series of two relays that are used, and these are also going to use inputs. These relays for the control side, they're also using inputs from the TCM and BCM. So not only do we have a signal over the CAN lines for the BCM, but the BCMs actually controlling a circuit to the relay, and so is the TCM. So these are all players involved. So I check those circuits to see, uh, do we have everything we need from the TCM and BCM to this thing? And I do, I have what I need, but the other side of those relays are controlled by the actual IPDM to actually operate these relays, to create a magnetic field, to close the contacts, to send power to the starter. And for whatever reason, it's not doing that. It is not operating the starter when I go to you know, press the brake pedal and start the vehicle. So now I need to decide why is this? Why is the IPDM 
not actually operating this starter. So I'm looking through some data pits uh, through both my BCM and my IPDM to make sure that everything in the data stream appears to be correct. So this is things like, you know, what gear is it in? Is it getting a signal? Like, is the IPDM actually seeing its signal in the data stream to start the vehicle? And you can see the push button position, even in the IPDM, it's a busted signal, but you can see that change. You can see the engine uh, start request. It's all there. Everything I can see in the data stream, and I will be honest, the acronyms used in the Nissan Infinity data stream are tough because you don't know what half of them mean. But if you go into service information, again, they list all the data PIDs out and explain exactly what they are. Uh, they also list that some of them are in there, but they're not actually monitored. It's like an option for another vehicle. Um, so be careful on that. There might be some data PIDs that don't actually apply to the vehicle you're working on. For instance, in the BCM, there was a clutch position data PID um, that it says right in the service information that that's not actually monitored because this vehicle didn't come with a standard transmission option. So anyways, I go through my, my data PIDs. Everything looks okay. So where do I go from that there? Um, this is where I need to go back and look at what codes I had. So in my IPDM, now remember I had some communication codes and I'm not so sure on those right now again, cause I can talk to the modules that are in charge of starting and all of the modules that are in charge of starting seem to be getting the correct inputs, even the bust signal. So I assuming they can talk to each other. The bummer was with these communication codes, they didn't lay out specifically what modules each one couldn't talk to. It just said U1000, which is CAN bus air. So is it upset because it can't talk to the AV, the telematics, and the driver's seat module? Maybe. I, I don't know at this point, but I'm just going with my gut, and I don't think the communication codes are causing my no start. I don't know that for sure, but I don't think so. Anyways, in the IPDM, there's a code, and this is what led me down the correct path. So in this IPDM, I have a B210A in this IPDM. And the description in the scan tool for the B210A is steering lock condition switch, which I'm not 100% sure what that means. I'm assuming it's referring to a steering column lock, but that's all the information in the scan tool. So I'm in my service information for this 2014 Infiniti Q70, and I look up, what does a B210A steering lock condition switch mean? Why is this code in there? I, I cleared it out, and it kept it was a hard fault. It kept coming back in this module. All right. This code is actually not listed in any of the codes for the vehicle. It doesn't come up under Mitchell or Identifix. There's, for this particular vehicle, it does not even seem to have this code present. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just the, you know, sometimes service information is lacking. Uh, let's try, you know, a couple years newer, older. This was actually the first year of this particular vehicle. So I couldn't go any older, but I went newer, didn't find it, uh, did a little digging just on the code itself. Let's go outside of this particular vehicle and see if we can find more information on this code. And basically what it's saying is that the IPDM, I, I did find information on this code, but not listed under this vehicle. But what it's saying is that the IPDM is looking for the steering column lock to be in the correct position. So this is a electronic steering column lock 
that is activated to lock the steering wheel unless all the conditions are met to release it so you can drive the vehicle. And if the IPDM does not see this in the correct position, flags this code, but it's also not going to operate the starter because the steering column lock has not been released. Okay, so now we're on track. Now we're headed somewhere. But I look at the steering column on this thing, and I look at the options and service information, and the steering column lock was not an option for this vehicle. And that's probably why this code wasn't present. It was an option for this vehicle because it didn't come with steering column lock. So that gets a little confusing. So now I'm starting to think again, you got to go back to, okay, this was an auction vehicle. This was a flood vehicle. What's, what's going on here? Did some stuff get replaced at some point or another? And after a little bit of research, and again, this isn't all in one shot. I don't want to make anyone think that I just blasted through all this and figured this out. I'm multiple hours and a couple days in at this point. You know, like I said, I was spending a little bit of time on it here, going home, doing some research, a little bit of time on it here. I'm summing it up for everyone here. So please don't mistake me as uh, just being able to figure all this out on the fly. It, It challenged me and I definitely had to dig for all of this. So anyways, I I pull out this IPDM and there's a part number on it. So I take the part number off of the IPDM and I just put it into Google. Google's your friend a lot of the time. You can go other routes, but I just wanted to do a quick search. Well, this part number came up as a 2013 Infinity M37. That's what this IPDM is actually listed for, what it's supposed to be used in. Now, this is obviously not a 13M37. This is a 14Q70, two different vehicles. Same engine, but two different vehicles. Well, I look up, and it appears that there is an option for certain M37s, and this BCM can also be or I'm sorry, not the BCM. The IPDM can actually be used in a few other Infinities as well, uh, older than this one that had a steering column option. So bottom line is somebody put in the wrong IPDM and it's looking for a steel steering column lock, but there is not one present. So it's going to set this code because it's just not seeing the information. There's actually a, a, what appears to be a hard physical circuit from this steering column lock relay, I believe. And that's where this circuit code comes from, but that doesn't exist on this car. So obviously it's going to flag the code. It's not going to hit the starter. So I tell the shop, get a IPDM that belongs to this vehicle. I, I said, I think you can go used on this. I've never tried one on this new Um, But if as long as you get it from the correct vehicle with the correct options, it should work. Um, And if you want to go new, we can program a new one, but uh, we'll we'll see what you find. So they get a used one. They find an IPDM from a Q70 of the same year and same configuration or close to it as they can find. Takes a few days to get it in. Uh, They install it and they call me up and say, hey, Cranks, it actually starts, but then it stalls right away. So crank, start, stall, crank, start, stall. And if you've ever heard of a crank, start, stall, generally most of us think immediately a mobilizer issue. So where am I going to go next with this? Um, do I need to, do I need to go back to the intelligent key system? Uh, do, is there some sort of a mobilizer issue? Is there some programming that needs to be done? You know, do I have more issues in this vehicle? Definitely possible with all that was going on. Uh, we're a step farther. It actually does start, but then it stalls right away. It doesn't matter if you hit the gas pedal or anything like that. 
where do I head next? And so I've actually checked this out a little bit further. I'm not completely done with it. There's still more problems to resolve. But what I'm going to do is actually end the episode here. I'm going to leave it with you guys to uh, think on this one for a little while because I gave you a lot of information in this one. And then we're going to finish up with it in the next episode. So that's it for now. Basically, we got the IPDM in there. It cranks, it starts, it stalls. Uh, what, what happens next? What's the next thing we need to look at? Is this an immobilizer issue? Um, let me know what you think. Put it up on the Facebook group. That'll be it for this episode. Thanks you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. And check out the next episode. We'll finish up. Uh, we'll get the conclusion. Uh, we will get this thing out on the road.